0: As leaders, we know we need gravitas to influence and be trusted and respected. But what is gravitas really? And how do we build it or can we? Today I talk to Dr. Rebecca Newton who answers these very questions. Hi, I'm Penny DeVolk. Welcome to Grit in the Oyster, a podcast offering insights for women leaders. Why grit in the oyster? Well, because an oyster makes pearls from a foreign object or irritation. And that's often how we can feel as women leaders in organizations today. The trick is not to get spat out, but to grow into that natural gem. Through conversations with leaders and experts in the field of women in leadership, I hope to offer insight and inspiration as well as practical advice, helping you navigate those grit in the oyster moments or times in your career. It's an opportunity to reflect, to step out of the fray, to tune out some of the noise, and tune into being the best leader you can be. It's my great pleasure to be speaking today with Rebecca Newton. Dr. Newton is an organizational psychologist and senior visiting fellow at the London School of Economics, where she lectures in management practice. She was previously a visiting fellow at Harvard University She's the founder and CEO of Leadership Development Consultancy, Coach Advisor, and has spent 20 years coaching and advising on leadership and change to teams globally. She's a Master Practitioner in Coaching and Mentoring at the European Mentoring and Coaching Council. And she's a fellow of the Harvard McLean Institute of Coaching. Rebecca serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Change Management and is a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. And she's the author of Authentic Gravitas, Who Stands Out and Why? And that book has made a huge difference, not only to me, but to a number of the women I work with. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Penny. Great to be here with you. And you're originally from Sydney, Australia,
1: so hail fellow Antipodean. <laughs> yes, I have lived in England now for 25 years and my Australian accent just never goes away.
0: <laughs> yours and mine both. Now listen, tell us tell us your story. Um, it's really interesting to hear the stories of people, particularly women, who
1: have had such an impressive career as yours. Oh, that's very kind. I feel really privileged to do what I do. Um, so, you know, I'm an organizational psychologist, coach, I work in leadership development. <laughs> you know, I got interested in psychology. I remember when I was younger thinking, ooh, a career out of talking. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's you know, I quickly moved into leadership development and culture change, you know, working with management teams. Um, and so I've worked you know i've had the privilege of working around the world all different industries um i love the the i love spanning both academia and and practice i mm. find that there's great research that comes out in in the academic world that helps me to guide and and support my clients uh, in practice and at the same time i you know it's really wonderful to work with the the generations of leaders coming through so that's a real privilege um you know in terms of life so I I run a consultancy and a coaching practice we have around 30 coaches growing globally by the day which is wonderful um and you know I have three little kids so (laughs) life is quite and a puppy what was I thinking yeah um (laughs) Life is busy, yeah, but it's really, it's really wonderful. I really, I'm really passionate about the work that I do, and in particular, in supporting women in helping them move forward and achieve their goals. And uh, you know, I'm really committed to seeing a world where we have better gender parity in the workplace, and and where women are in positions of leadership, um, and and supported in those positions to really thrive.
0: Yeah, really. Thank you for that. Um. Well, on the topic of gravitas, let's just start maybe at 20,000 feet. Why do we need gravitas as leaders? What does it give us?
1: Hmm. Well, I started looking into this and doing this work because time after time with my coaching clients, they would say to me, you know, kind of, they kind—they—they actually almost always whisper it. So they say, Rebecca, do you know what I really need? I need more gravitas. And I don't know, they whisper it either thinking it's something that they shouldn't want or that they couldn't really have, but it's this its this kind of quiet recognition of feeling like in order to be impactful and to mm-hmm. make the difference that they want to, that they feel they need to turn up the dial in terms of how much they are trusted, respected, respected, um, that their voice is heard, that they're, you know, they they play a key role in decision-making, that their ideas are taken seriously. You know, I often think of it as the person in the room who other people really stop and listen to even when they don't have to. So it's kind of leading beyond hierarchical lines is how I think of it.
0: And I guess that's part of the reason why the mystique is around it. You know we, know, we know it when we see it, we know gravitas when we see it, and you know, describes people who are taken seriously and listened to, as you say, but often for people it's hard to know how to achieve it. It's not straightforward. In your book, Authentic Gravitas, you, you really start off with debunking some fundamental
1: myths about gravitas, which I thought was really helpful.
0: Can you outline some of those?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's three things that really stood out to me as I was doing the research. The first is what I call the myth of the gravitas gift, Mm. which is that it's something we have or we don't, and we have this kind of whisper, this internal whisper that I don't have that and I'm just not like that. And that can be... You know, that's that's self-defeating. If we don't believe that it's something that can be developed, then there's no hope, right? There's no opportunity mm. to think about growing it. And yet I have seen countless people through coaching, through leadership development programs, increase their gravitas. And, yeah. and it's remarkable the, the change that can happen and the difference that can happen, but it has to start with the self-belief that, I can have more gravitas Mm. um, and, and you absolutely can. The second one is what I call the myth of confidence. And this, to me, this comes across in a lot of the coaching I do, um, with women in particular, although it's not, I I would say it's, you know, it's not gendered. It, It is relevant for everyone, which is that we look at other people and we see their confidence, and we think, gosh, I wish I was that confident. Yeah. And again, this is a this is a kind of whisper that really doesn't help us because we actually feel worse about ourselves for not having mm. the confidence we that we don't see have people us We're not that confident. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't have enough confidence, and I know myself. I know my own internal whispers and my gremlins that I don't have that much confidence, and yet. All these other people around me do. And that's why they will be given more opportunities. That's why they're maybe I perceive them as more successful or, or, you know, faster achieving their career goals, Um, why people listen to them or whatever it might be. The thing is, when we spoke to people who others described as having gravitas and being confident, Mm. those people do not describe themselves as being super confident all the time in fact they described how you know things like they'd give themselves a pep talk in the morning or they'd you know a kind of team brief and be like you can do this you've got this so what you're what we're what we're perceiving as confidence is actually courage yeah so i think that as as leaders and as women in business, we should really be focusing on how can I choose to be courageous today? How can I be brave rather than worrying about how confident I do or don't feel?
0: Yeah, really interesting. So
1: that's the second one.
0: Yeah. And what's the third one?
1: Yeah, well, this I mean, there's probably more, but just the third thing that I observed is what I'd say is the myth of charisma, that we mistake gravitas with charisma and charisma you know is more linked to personality traits that that may be more stable over time um Mm. and thinking that it's all about you know charisma is and and this thing this special x factor that some people have that i really need but i don't have it i'm i'm wired a different way and so then i couldn't have gravitas but actually you know the when we look at the people who ha- others consider to have gravitas, they span the personality spectrum and they're all different characters and what really matters is how well they're able to connect, to engage, um, you know, to, to create spaces where people feel included and that they're, that others are listened to and valued. And so really it's much more about connection than it is about charisma.
0: That's really interesting, because often when you talk to people, because there is a mystique around it, and as you say, the whispers people have, if they have to say, I need some, there's already a sort of a self-deprecating, gosh, I don't have that X factor, I don't have the level of confidence. Mm. Um, and if it's not a gift, um, it is something we can learn, that can be quite challenging, I've noticed, with some of the women I've worked with, because they might struggle, some of it is about gender, to be taken seriously and to gain respect and be able to influence. So they know they need that gravitas. But when they look to sort of become more focused and intentional and deliberate about managing the impression they're making, they start to second guess their integrity and Mm. feel that I'm not really staying true to myself and can become quite conflicted here, more so than I find the, the men do.
1: Yes, I... I haven't looked at authenticity in terms of how it plays out with gender. But what I will say is that it is that being authentic is important for multiple reasons. And it's not just because, I mean, (laughs) it's a nice to have, and we want to be authentic, but the research is really powerful as well. So it matters to everyone that they feel that they can be authentic in, in the workplace, in their life. What happens though, is that people think, I still want to be me. You know, so they'll typically Mm. say to me, Rebecca, I want, the reason the book is called Authentic Gravitas is that, you know, as opposed to just gravitas or whatever else, is that people follow the sentence with what I really need is more gravitas with the sentence, but I still want to be me. I don't want to pretend to be someone I'm not. Now, authenticity is one of the strongest predictors that we have of psychological well-being. Yes. So it really, you know, being in an environment where we feel that we can be our best selves, but our authentic selves is is powerful and important for us, particularly in a world that is in such turmoil and uncertainty and I, I mean, you know, just horrific circumstances, and coming out of the pandemic, so much challenge and grief and hardship. Mm. and and even for, organizations that have fared well there's still been such increased pressure so authenticity really matters right now and also has massive implications in terms of authentic leadership for how engaged people are followership organizational citizenship behaviors financial performance even so it makes a difference now the reality is though we can if we accept the fact that we can have gravitas regardless of personality type for example we don't need to pretend to be someone else however we all have areas where we can adapt our style, right? And and we can adapt our ways of working and improve and build on our strengths. So authenticity is knowing what you think, what you feel, mm-hmm. what you value, and knowing your unique strengths. And I'm a big believer in positive psychology and the strengths approach, mm-hmm. where it's helpful to know what your natural energizers are and to put skill around those energizers. And if you can get into a place where you're in an organization and a role where you can really play to your strengths um, and you're encouraged and supported to do that, then you will increase your gravitas. And so um, it's it's not about full transparency. You know, authenticity doesn't mean we just show up as as through. we are yeah. every day. Yeah. It doesn't take away from the responsibility that we have as leaders to, you know, bring energy and purpose and vision and Mm. support people even when we don't feel like it. At the same time, I'm a big believer we shouldn't encourage any kind of toxic positivity and pretend that everything's fine all the time. In really practical terms, Penny, the thing that I would say in terms of how to make sure that we are being authentic is to start our day with intention. Mm -hmm. So in the morning to think how would I want others to describe me How do I want to show up today? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not in a kind of pretend way, but what matters to me in terms of the impact that I have on the people I'm working with and essentially what kind of leader do I want to be? Yeah. And thinking about that in the morning and I find that it helps us to outwork our values, stay true to our authentic selves and put our kind of best foot forward forward amongst the busyness and amongst the pressure and amongst the disappointment or the things that go wrong in yeah. a day. It's, it's just yeah. a really practical step.
0: I like that. And it's, um, it's you know, it's so powerful for people to do that on so many levels. Um, but you're right, making sure that people stay in tune with what is their authentic self as opposed to just their natural self, <laughs> whatever yes. comes naturally, uh, yes. which also can just lead someone to just spend their their day reacting to people as opposed to responding uh, with wisdom to or uh, in the context of a the leader they want to be. You talked about um, so gravitas is developable. Then it's not a gift. It's not about charisma. It's not about confidence. What are the things that you would work on with people? You talked about connecting, engaging, including. I mean, these are, you know, are very powerful interrelational
1: capabilities. Where would you start with someone? So there's a few things. One of the things I think is important is to is to understand your own strengths, as as mm-hmm. Per I was saying before, in terms of what are your natural energizers and how can you build skill around those, real mastery and use them well. Um, another one is, you know, one of the things that's really practical. It sounds really silly, but is to look at how people are running their schedules, and right. to make sure that they're creating windows for being intentional for thinking time. Like not yeah. starting the day, you know, we can open our email and our calendar and think, what's going to happen to me today? <laughs> you know, it's a really reactive way of being that we get yep. into and it's just jumping straight into the busyness. So things like that, making sure that you're carving out time for the good work that's really important to you, not not being someone, you know, a lot of my clients will say they spend all day in meetings and then they have to get the work done, whatever that mm-hmm. work is, in the evening and sometimes that's the work that they need their kind of best thinking brains for and not everyone operates like that. So knowing your own rhythms for the day and being pretty disciplined with how you run the time that you have and use the time that you have in terms of your own energy and and managing that is really important.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, even more relevant for people you know given that so much of what we've been doing with one another for the last two years has been virtual. I'm seeing yeah. that's even that's just now on steroids. People are just falling from one Zoom meeting and one Teams meeting to another to another. And I know yeah. some organizations are only now making their meetings fifty minutes so people can take stock and they can prepare for the next meeting, yeah. you know, and yeah. just not to prepare the the content, but prepare who's going to be there? How do I want to be? How am I going to show up mm. uh, yeah. when we think it's okay just to sort of click that link and we would never usually enter a boardroom that unintentionally exactly. and and imagine that we were going to make the impact uh, we need to make. So that's really helpful, that mm. I love that, the windows in the day
1: yeah and what you just said about preparing for important meetings and presentations i think is important so people often talk about you know a lot of my clients want help with big presentations Mm. right and and how can they be engaging and whether that's virtually or whether that's you know now it's often we're coming back to being in the room again and oh i've got this conference or i've got this presentation to dozens of people hundreds of people and i need to come across well and and there's really important the work that we can do in that. I think it's equally important to think about how we prepare for important meetings, um, mm-hmm. you know, even internally because people's perception of our gravitas isn't based on a one-off event for those that we work with on a day-to-day basis. It's it's how we kind of show up and engage day in, day out. And So mm-hmm. I think that just giving ourselves a moment to prepare well for important meetings and presentations is key. And, for example, knowing our point of view on a topic. So being open, being interested in other people's points of view, but going in not just knowing what the agenda is going to be but having had a chance to think about Mm -hmm. what do I think of this topic and what's my point of view on this, you know, and, again, making sure that we're open to being challenged and to, you know, being persuaded otherwise, but knowing what we think about something does change the way that we show up and how much we contribute.
0: Yeah, really interesting. And it uh, it certainly, you know, the research shows as well for, um, you know, people who are observing you in the room for your leadership capability, you know, if you take some of the cognitive load <laughs> off the person that's chairing it, it sends huge signals about yes. your strategic uh, ability, just about how enhancing it is for people to see, oh, that, that person's actually thought about this, has a point of view and is quite skillful in how they are going to land that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I love in the book you say, stop worrying about what you're going to say Um, and of course sometimes we do need to be clear about that in a concise way but start to focus on the impression you want to leave and uh, can you expand on that because again impression management often I find uh, my female clients recoiling from.
1: Yeah so when I say stop focusing on what you're going to (laughs) say i do focus on what you're going to say. Yeah, like, in I the think sense it was of, like worrying. You know, we, what, we what do, do we need... worry about? <laughs> yeah, stop yes. worrying about we that. We do you need know to be. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But... If we know, if you know your point of view and yeah, we don't hold it too tightly, we're able to communicate succinctly our key messages. I just find that people can be so focused on what they're going to say that it becomes all about us and then we stop paying Mm -hmm. attention to our audience. Now our audience might be hundreds of people in a room or it might be four people sitting around the table who are trying, you know, like maybe it's a client meeting or maybe it's a, a group of internal stakeholders, but we can be so focused on what we're saying that we forget to just be engaged and to be curious and to ask good open questions to understand other people's point of view. Um so that's yeah. one thing I'd say. The other thing I'd say is to make sure that you're creating opportunities for feedback. You know, because we we spend a lot of time scripting important messages and thinking about the words that we're going to say, but mm. the research shows us that so much of you know whether people like or respect us isn't just on what we say, it's also on our tone and our body language, you know, our facial expression um and sometimes particularly in important meetings where we feel that it really matters the the outcome and how well it goes really really matters we can become quite stiff you know like in yeah, in very, how we're presenting so <laughs> yeah. yeah so just you know remembering that all of that matters in terms of how we're coming across our body language our tone our facial expression and where you can to get feedback on that because we all yeah can make improvements in terms of how effective we are at aligning our our body language and our tone. So, you know, just as an example, I, I've had clients who say things like, you know, they're so focused on the words and they're feeling so much pressure yeah. that they say, I'm really excited to be here with you today. I think that this is going to be, um, this is going to make a big difference. And, and, and you don't believe them. <laughs> like if I said to you, I really care about, Women in Leadership, I think that this is something that is super important in our world today and, you know, we we hear tone, we read so much. So the way that we're coming across.
0: And, again, to be conscious of all of it and prepare for that. You know, I I love what you just um, mentioned
1: about curiosity. Why is curiosity so important for gravitas? Well, one of the things I find is that, you know, as we get more skilled at our craft, right, so the more kind of technically competent we become in our profession, the more we can actually, you know, we we get so much um, positive reward from adding value in Mm -hmm. our potentially narrow area of expertise I call it the trap of expertise, right? We we become so confident there, we get such positive reward that we often don't want to open up broader conversations mm. to then that cover things that we don't know about because we're so used to being the expert in the room that we don't mm. want to open things up. So I find that, um, and this is particularly true for when we're talking about, you know, business development, client relationship management, that we just need to remember to ask those big broad business questions like what's happening for you right now how have things been going what's challenging in the business Um, and sometimes you know what are the biggest opportunities before you for example those things sometimes we miss out on that and we jump straight to the agenda and talk just about our Mm -hmm. the specific reason that we're there and part of that is fueled by the fact that what if they start talking about something that I don't know about? Or, yeah. or what if it shows up that I, you know, only have expertise in X and they start talking about Y? Um, so it can be a kind of a self-fulfilling cycle that we keep focusing on our more narrow expertise. Yeah. But impact comes from really understanding where other people are at. And so I think we need to make sure we carve out meaningful time in those discussions for broader business conversations. It's not just the small talk, you know, and it's not the agenda. It's just broader checking in on business and careers and and where people are at. And in a virtual world, that's difficult to do, right? I find that that natural time that we might have had has been taken away and we've become much more task-oriented and agenda, Mm. you know, tight on our agendas with um, virtual working than we may have been in the room, so we just need to be super intentional with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, really helpful, and um, I really love the way you talk about and you know the connection and engaging and including people. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, that's not gravitas. Gravitas is you know learning speaking skills and raising mm. my voice and being masterful. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, and in fact, it's a it's a deeply human uh, open endeavor. And the technical expertise, you know, as you called it, the trap of expertise, is, is sort of sometimes a proxy for that confidence thing. I, I know my staff, so if I just stay in this box, I'll be safe. Um, but, you know, again, that that wonderful um, metaphor of actually don't think confidence, think courage. Uh, you know, the courage to ask the big, broad questions to which you may not have an answer. But most people don't expect you to, have a, to be the technical expert once you hit a leadership level. Yeah. What about, um, in your book you have a great chapter on taking on your gremlins. Can we talk
1: about self-talk, in particular, constructive self-talk? Absolutely. So the gremlins comes from, I'm reminded of um, one client in particular who was doing really well in her career. Other people wanted to fast-track her, and yet she described in coaching how, She's like, I have this gremlin. The gremlin shows up and sits on my shoulder. And I've heard it time and time again mm. now with different clients. The gremlin is, you know, it's the negative self-talk. And I like the way it's a noun, you know, it's a gremlin because it's typically one or two things that the gremlin says, maybe three, you know. Mm. I'm not X enough I'm too why, you know, I'm too detailed or I'm not experienced enough or I don't have the right background or I don't have whatever it might be. It it typically starts with I don't have or I'm too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they're different for everybody but ourselves we do know what our gremlin says and I think That we need to be pretty proactive with pushing the gremlin off our shoulder. Mm. So, there's some interesting research that's been done that shows that negative self talk actually doesn't impact performance. So, it feels really uncomfortable to hear those gremlins. But, you know, this research has been replicated across both business and even sports settings that it doesn't make a big difference. Now, I will say that there is a there's a tipping point to this. Like I remember my, you know, I'll give keynotes all the time now, hundreds of people, really love it, don't think anything of it because I'm just, yeah. you know, thankful to have the opportunity to, to support them and help them in their leadership. And yet the first business presentation I gave to a client, <laughs> I hyperventilated and was taken away in an ambulance to hospital before I even got into the room. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So like they, they were not they,
0: responsible, you were <laughs> Yeah.
1: Like so the you know, the negative self talk it, it's to a point and hopefully that's not happening to anyone. But, you know, it does it obviously does become debilitating once it hits a certain point. So I'm not I'm not saying that we don't need to consider it at all. But it doesn't have the power that we think it has, mm. whereas studies show that constructive self-talk, again, across business and sports arenas, actually constructive self-talk does impact performance. Yep. And so what I encourage clients to do is to list out what is the gremlin saying, right, so it's typically saying two or three things. Now the question is, is it true yeah. So in a non-emotionally charged, non-pressurized environment, you can do this by yourself or you can do it with a coach. Mm. You know, you're not, you, you don't you don't think about this as you're about to run a big meeting or as you're about to go and meet with some key stakeholders or clients. You think about this offline. You think, right, in those moments, what does the gremlin say? What do I really believe about this? So do I believe that that's true? If not... Why not? What evidence do I have from what people have told me, from what results I've achieved in the past, from mm-hmm. what I know to be to be to believe to be true? Why is the Gremlin's message wrong? Because then, in the moments when the gremlin pops up its head, you can say, that's not true. So like I can hear this, I acknowledge, that I feel like this, right? Because pushing mm. away our feelings doesn't help. We have to, yeah. we have to sit with our feelings, as a lot of people talk about now. It's really helpful emotional yeah. emotions are data, essentially. So we listen to it, but we think, okay, that's that's not true. I don't believe that. Or and, and often this is the case, that it's rooted in something. So sometimes I find that the this negative self-talk comes from thinking. I don't have enough experience in this or I'm not, quali- I'm not qualified in whatever. I don't have certification in something. And so then I encourage my clients, if this is something that matters to you and that you feel is important, then how can you go on a stretch journey and be proactive about your development to tackle that? Because if you feel like you don't know enough about, say, what's going on in the world maybe, then how do you build that into your day so that you are being more informed? Mm-hmm. Or if you feel like you don't have the rightful qualifications and that does matter to you and maybe you test it out with some other people whose opinion you trust to think, does it actually matter?
0: Yes. And if,
1: if I find out it does, then how do I go about setting myself on a journey towards getting that training or the, that qualification? And as we do that, then the message to the gremlin becomes, yeah, I know, and I'm doing something about that, so it's empowering, and we feel better about ourselves because we're being proactive. So the, you know, then it it shifts to constructive self-talk. So it can make a really powerful difference just with some practical strategies like that. And
0: that's a a really nice practical strategy. So you so your your ending up in hospital was purely on the back of <laughs> your fear of the of the event.
1: You weren't done well, yeah, yeah, and I tell people about that because I mean, it's you know I I absurd things happen to me sometimes. but um, <laughs> you know, because often, yeah, you know, for the people that I'm mentoring and developing or that, that are just you know coming up in in the kind of world that I'm in in terms of leadership development and mm. coaching, they will think, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, well, I wasn't I wasn't born feeling comfortable on a platform with a lot of people. Mm. Um, now, maybe some people are, but I certainly wasn't. And I just had to decide that I would keep saying yes and choosing courage without feeling that confidence. And, yeah. you know, I'm certainly not saying that I'm I'm perfect at it, but it's not debilitating <laughs> for me anymore. Yeah. You know, I'd be yeah. surprised if I ended up in hospital again. But my my point in sharing that is that whatever it is that are our goals and we see other people who are who are skilled in something or we feel like people have gravitas know that their journey of developing themselves has probably come through choosing to be courageous choosing to keep getting feedback to stretch to learn to grow themselves and that therefore all of those things are available to you too it is not it is not based on personality type and it is not based on something that you're born with or you're not
0: I love that. What you've just said, that it's not some X factor that someone doesn't have or that they've got to wait to get enough confidence, you know, encourage courage over confidence. And then just being skilled at this. As you said, our leadership journey is becoming more skilled at our craft and building our gravitas is one of those components. And we need that to be taken seriously.
1: One thing that I wanted to say is mm. that I think it's really important that we support other people and that we support other women with their development and that we support them in terms of developing their gravitas and so sharing your stories about your own struggles with confidence you know your own imposter syndrome mm-hmm. or just sharing story you know sometimes it can be some of the kind of microaggressions or the biases that we do face in the workplace and as we move into leadership roles can be so challenging and mm. and even heartbreaking mm. I'd say to hear at, at, at times just never underestimate the power that it can have in sharing those things and and being open and preparing to help other people as they navigate their own journey so I think yeah. that being a and this isn't something just for women this is something for everyone that we really need to we really need to sponsor women as they move forward and not look for you know traditional ways that we may may have seen leadership and power and even gravitas and think about how we can help other people to move forward not just worry about how much we're standing out in the room and how much we're trusted and respected but helping other people on their journey as well
0: yeah i think that's really powerful and certainly in my experience Um, Often a number of women, especially if they are, you know, hitting walls or getting odd feedback about behavior that looks like the same behavior as their male colleagues, start to think, oh, it's my problem it's all about me and how liberating it is when they have other women say, oh, that was my experience and this is, you know, and they start sharing their hacks and suddenly the energy is very different about I don't know what to do about this, Uh, I'm the problem here, through to this is probably what's going on and this was my journey, as you say, and sharing those journeys and supporting one another and giving one another great feedback is uh, incredibly powerful. So thank you for that. Rebecca, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today, and I just love the book, um, Authentic Gravitas, and it's really powerful stuff because it turns on its head the notion that gravitas is all about mastery in a very masculine way, which is something that we, you know, need to sort of either be born with or work into um, sort of this strength. But what you portray in the book is that there's strength in a different way. Courage is a strength. The fact that you actually talk about strengths-based energizers. and I just love the words you use about connecting, engaging, and including, uh, as opposed to those being barriers. Those are actually the golden thread that runs through having gravitas and people listening to you in the room because they want to, not because they have to. Absolutely. Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's been incredibly valuable. Dr. Rebecca Newton. Thank you so much, Penny. Thanks for listening to Grit and the Oyster. If you're enjoying our conversations, do subscribe, rate and review us on your podcast platform and join me again soon. You can also find more information and resources on building your best leadership self on pennydevolk.com, including my blog that covers topics from how to negotiate powerfully as a woman and building your authority, through to having your voice heard and boosting confidence, all in support of building your leadership career.